Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I know it's surprising to many that we're there tonight, but we're back to 1 John chapter 2. And once you find your place, if you could just stand with me, if you're able to stand comfortably. I want to just read two verses tonight. 1 John chapter 2, and then move right into the thought. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 18. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 18, he says, Little children, remember the context, these are new believers. These are individuals that are just newly saved. They're babes in Christ. He says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now, that's present tense, are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. Look at verse 28. He seems to sum it up again. He addresses them as new converts. He says, and now, little children, and look at those three words. Say those next three words with me. Abide in him. And notice one of the reasons why, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I would like to conclude tonight that thought we began this morning, drawn from verse 28. That I entitled, How You Can Have Confidence in the Day of Jesus Christ. Having confidence in the day of Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, this evening for the privilege we have to be gathered in your Son's name. Lord, thank you for the services this morning. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for the food. And Lord, we pray now tonight that you would bless our time as we come back once again to be instructed by your Holy Spirit through your word. We pray that you would empty us of busy thoughts. Lord, you'd set aside burdens and concerns. And Lord, we pray that you would instruct and challenge us on how to abide in your Son. Lord, help us tonight not to be hearers only, just deceiving ourselves. But Lord, by your grace, help us to be doers of thy word. And we ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, this morning we looked at the thought, and we framed verse 28, this thought of abiding in him. We framed it with a question, and the question was why? Why should you and I, once we belong to him, choose to abide in him? And let's just, let's just repeat this. It's worth repeating. Just because you belong to Him doesn't mean you're abiding in Him. Amen? Just because you're a believer does not mean you're abiding in this one whom you've come to know as your Savior. They're very two different things. And so this morning we looked at the three reasons biblically why every Christian should desire to abide in Jesus Christ once they belong to Him. And the first reason was this, because of the deception out there. Verse 18 made it clear that as we, uh, we get closer and closer to the Lord's return, this world is going to become more full of Antichrist. Philosophies, people, and system that are not for Jesus Christ, but they're against Him. 
And don't forget their collective goal. Do not forget this. I mean, we look at the world as a little old playground. We look at the world as a fun place to go. Oh, it's going to be fun. We're going on vacation. If I could spend my whole life on vacation in this world, it would be great. That is not how this world is. This is a combat zone for Christians. And that world full of Antichrist on every level, they all have a collective goal for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. It's this. They want to draw you away from Jesus Christ. They don't want to push you closer to him. They want to draw you away from him and make him a distant savior rather than a close savior. And listen, the enemy is so good at this. He doesn't care if it takes a day and one event. He doesn't care if it'll take 10 years. He is going to stay at it, if at all possible, to draw you away from your savior. Amen. And you say, well, why, you know, how can I keep that from happening? Well, three words. Say them with me. Abide in Him. That was the first reason you and I should desire that. But the second reason we saw was not just the deception out there. It was the lack of fruitfulness in here. You and I, left to ourselves, produce works of the flesh. And let me just tell you something. That's not enjoyable. Okay? Uh, it's just not enjoyable to be with somebody that always produces that. Oh, you're talking about my spouse. No, I'm talking about yourself. Amen? Because you've got to live with you. Uh, not just those around you. And, and God doesn't want us filled with works of the flesh. God wants us filled with fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 and verse uh, 20, 21, 22. You say, well, how do I produce fruit of the Spirit? It's not you. It's Christ in you. You're going to have to abide in Him. So abide in Him because of the deception out there. Abide in Him because of the need for fruitfulness in here. And then we saw the third reason. Abide in Him because of your certain confrontation with him one day up there. Don't move too far from the thought, Christian. The one day you're going to get a spiritual audit. And the auditor is going to be the king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You can try to cook the books all you want, but he's going to see through that. Amen? <laughs> I've been audited twice as a business owner, and it's not an enjoyable moment. I've never had somebody say, I'm getting audited. You know, that's not the attitude you have when you get the notice. Because they're going to go through your books and you're worried they're going to find something that's just not right. And, you know, you're going to get in trouble and you're, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I don't care how good you are at your books. There's always that concern because of the authority that's involved. Their mistake is your misfortune, is the old saying. But yet every auditor I've ever met never knew everything about me and my books. You with me? They just, they couldn't. They couldn't be everywhere at once. And one day, Christian, you and I are going to meet the auditor of auditors. There's nothing hid from his eyes. He'll know everything we did or didn't do and why and even the motivations behind why we did what we did. And in that moment, you and I want to be able to stand before him in confidence, not in shame. Amen? You say, well, how can I do that? Those three little words, say them again with me, abide in Him. All right? So there were the three reasons why, <clears throat> and, and that's good, but the better question, and it's our message tonight, is how? How do you and I, once we're saved, how do we abide in Him? Well, as you look at 1 John chapter 2, the first thing you no need to note is eight times in chapter 2 of our text, the word abide is used. And it has this picture, it has this idea. It's to reside. 
to be firmly planted, if you will, to take root, to endure. It has the idea of permanence, not something temporary. The picture is a tree planted down there, roots down, in a very permanent way. And abiding in Him occurs in three steps. Get your pens out. You'll use this for the rest of your Christian life. But there's three steps that have to take place for a believer to begin abiding in this one called Jesus Christ who they now belong to. Here's the three steps. Number one, abiding in Him occurs, number one, when you abide in His Word. Now, I'm going to say that again. The very first step that has to take place for a believer to abide in their Savior is they must abide in His Word. Here in 1 John chapter 2, look at all the moments the written Word is referenced in this chapter. Look at verse 1. Watch this. Watch the weight of the written Word brought before us here. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, these things, look at this, write I unto you. He's speaking of the written Word of God. Look in verse number 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you. Look at verse 8. Again, a new commandment, I write unto you. Verse 12, I write unto you, little children. Verse 13, I write unto you, fathers. The middle of that verse, I write unto you, young men. The end of that verse, I write unto you, little children. Verse 14, I have written unto you. He says it again in verse 14. I have written unto you. Verse number 21, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth. Verse 26, these things have I written. The very first step that has to take place for you to move toward that abiding relationship with your Savior, you must abide in His Word. Let me just say it this way. You show me your relationship to this book, I will show you your relationship to your Savior. If you do not have a vibrant, healthy relationship with this Bible, you do not. I don't care what you think. You do not have a vibrant, healthy relationship with the Lord. If you do not have a daily, consistent walk in this Word, you do not have a daily, consistent walk with your Savior. It is impossible. I, you, you say, oh, but I feel. Do not make lies your refuge. You cannot be abiding in the living word if you are not consistently, vibrantly abiding in the written word. It is utterly, spiritually impossible. You may have good ministries, but you're not abiding in him. You may have good intentions, Christian, but you're not abiding in Him. You may be going to heaven. You're saved as saved can be. But if you're not abiding in this book, you are not abiding in your Savior. It's impossible. You show me your relationship to this book, I will show you your relationship to the Lord. It's the first step. I remember here, not that long ago, I was in the Carolinas. I was ministering in a very good church, very good pastor. Uh, they had a number of ministries, and one of them was a Christian school. And when I checked in, this gracious old warhorse pastor, he said to me, Brother Dave, would you like to go ahead and preach a couple chapel services for my teenagers? They had 52 teens in the Christian school. Now, you need to understand my attitude. I love dealing with teens. Maybe I just never grew up, you know. Maybe I like dealing with them because I wish I'd had people care about me and give me instruction in those 
early years when I had the, the biggest opportunity for change and movement. You know what I'm saying? But when you bring me into a chapel service, man, I love it. I'm flying into Denver here in July, preaching to 400 teens for an entire week. I got eight or nine services I'm bringing to these teens. I'm looking forward to it. So when he asked me to do that, my attitude was, yes, I can't wait. So Monday morning comes. That was the first one. Thursday was the, the last one. So Monday morning comes, and man, I'm ready to roll. I get there 20 minutes early. I sit down in the area where they're forming up. I get to meet them and see how they're doing and talk to them and show a little interest, you know, get some names figured out. And then that morning as I got up to preach, man, I'm telling you, I started preaching, gave them some, just some great truths. This is a message that's going to be very helpful, very practical. And I wasn't five, ten minutes into this thing. It was like I was taking all these spiritual truths and just splat, throwing them against the wall. Nothing sticking. This, I mean, I had more liberty preaching in a jail. I'm telling you the truth. And I did there. I thought, what in the world? is going on i mean they were yawning falling asleep looking at their watches i mean they want to be anywhere but that chapel service so i finished that thing up brother kind of staggered out of there going wow shell-shocked you know like what was that and so all week long as we're going through the conference all i'm thinking about is i got one more round with these guys on thursday i'm gonna and you say what was your attitude my attitude was simply this those little creeps are not going to win they're not going to beat me. No way those punks are going to win this thing. I'm taking them out. I'm bringing them a message. I don't care how bored they are. They are going to go, wow, that helped me. Amen. So Thursday morning comes. You got in Marine Corps terms, I got hand grenades, man. I got the automatic weaponry, man. I mean, when that, when that ramp goes down, we are going in and we are taking them out, you know. And so we prayed, and man, the ramp went down, and Brother Summerdorf came out, man. He, I had a message, man. This was perfect for them. And man, their attitudes, I mean, it shot me full of holes. And man, I'm just staggering like, what? I mean, 10 minutes in, same thing. And I can only fake it so long. <laughs> and I remember I just finally said, hey. And I shut it down. And I began to ask questions. And I asked one question, and when I got the answer, I figured it out. I said, how many of you in your entire Christian life since you've been saved have read your Bible through at least one time? Just once in your entire Christian life. Some have been saved for seven or eight years. Out of 52 teens, how many of you think raised their hand? Zero. I had my answer the living word meant little to them because the written word meant little to them i'm not saying they weren't saved i'm not i have no idea they're standing with the lord but i can guarantee you this out of 52 teens all 52 of them were not abiding in him guaranteed and yet the average teen today will go ahead and look at their smartphone 54 times a day. You with me? There's where they're buried. There's their focus. And you say, well, you know, uh, you, you got you to gotta hang up with the electronics? No, 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 no. It's unfortunate that with all the power in our palm, the devil uses it to move us away from the Lord instead of the other way around. You know what I'm saying? 
There's a Bible program you can put on this phone. Dr. Don Strange out of Fort Myers, Florida. Turn me on to this. It's a great program. It's called Bible.is. It's a free downloadable program. It's, there's an app for that. Amen. Bible.is. And it's a dramatized audio King James Bible. And you can hear the Word of God, read the Word of God. It's dramatized, very, very practical, very powerful. And here's what I tell young people. I say, hey, I said, instead of letting this thing get in the way of your walk with the Lord, why don't you use this to enhance your walk with the Lord and make this covenant that if you're going to look at your phone, take the time to read at least one Bible verse. Amen? You'll chew up 54 verses a day. Just by the average, what teenagers look at their phone. Amen? So he says, well, you're picking on the teens. Okay, ladies, let's talk about you. My wife came into a ladies' meeting a couple of years ago, 35 Christian mothers and grandmothers, and she was asked to be the guest speaker. And she's starting to do that now. I've managed to trick her into some of these meetings, and there's a wealth of information there. That is one gritty, gracious Midwestern lady. There. You don't raise six children and a husband like me effectively unless you've got something about you. But she has been a great practical help to a lot of homes and mothers and grandparent, grandmothers. And so she comes in there, and to get to know the ladies, she'll ask questions. 35 Christian mothers and grandmas, some of them say for 50 years. And she just asked them, ladies, one of the questions, how many of you have read your Bible through at least one time in your entire Christian life? Out of 35 saved ladies, some say for 50 years, only, was it, hun? Five had ever read their Bible through just one time. Now listen, I never met any of those ladies. I heard this secondhand, but I can guarantee you 30 of those 35 ladies were not abiding in their Savior. They may have had good ministries in their local church, but they weren't abiding in their Savior. They may have been trying to raise their children for the Lord, but they were doing it in their strength because they weren't abiding in their Savior. They were maybe trying to be a good wife to their man, but they were doing it all in their strength because they were not abiding in the Savior because they were not abiding in His Word. Listen to what the psalmist said. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The highest compliment you can ever give an author when you meet him is to tell him, I read your book. I read your book. I mean, if anybody ought to be able to say that to the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God of this universe, it ought to be the children. The kids ought to be able to come to Dad and say, Dad, I read your book. And I didn't just read it once. I read it many times. It was the hope for my heart. It was the strength for my soul. It's what got me through many struggles in life. It was my necessary food. The first step toward abiding in him is you have to abide in his word. Now let, me just, let me just say this. Not always just studying it. Just read it. 
Let it talk to you. Just let it talk to you. Let him talk to you through it. Amen? And so the first step toward abiding in him, according to the Bible, you have to abide in his word. But there's a second step. Not only do you have to abide in his word, but second of all, you have to take the second step, which is allow his word to then abide in you. Allow his word to abide in you. Look at verse 14 and look at how the Spirit of God reverses this relationship out in verse number 14. He says this, 1 John 2, 14, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you're strong. Look at this. And what? The word of God abideth in you. Boy, step one, you have to abide in his word. But step two, you have to then allow his word to abide in you. You say, how do I do that, preacher? Well, I think one of the ways is a quantity answer. Go to Colossians 3. Go to Colossians 3 with me. Colossians chapter 3. And look with me in verse number 16. Colossians 3 and verse 16. Look with me here. In Colossians 3 and verse 16, it begins with a single word. The word is let. And to me, when I see that word let, it just means allow this to happen. You know, you don't have to fight. This is going to be a natural thing. If you're, you're saved, this will be a natural direction. Let, allow, if you will. Let the word of Christ, that's your Bible, dwell in you. Notice that, his words abiding in you. What's that next word? What's it say? What's it say? Let the word of Christ dwell in you what? Say it. Say it again. Richly. Now, richly is a quantitative, descriptive word. It tells you the quantity of something. You hear the word rich as a quantity word. Like if I were to say to you, I'm going to introduce you to a rich man as it pertains to his finances or his money. How much money do you think he has? Just, yeah, a lot. You're thinking, you know, you don't think I'm going to introduce you to the guy on the street corner with a cardboard sign begging for a few pennies. You with me? You're not expecting to meet that guy. Okay, that, that would be the opposite of rich if just you're going to go a monetary abundance measurement. You know what I'm saying? You're expecting me to introduce you to somebody that has a lot of money, not a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like the Don. Uh, you know, Bill Gates, you know, they got so much, they can't even balance their checkbook. You with me? They can't. They don't even know where everything is. They got more than their wants are. You with me? That's what they're, that's the, you just picture something saturated, dripping, overflowing more than they know what to do with. That's what you think of when you think of the word richly. Amen. And notice God is saying here, and this is one of the ways his word gets inside of us, is The Bible says, let or allow the word of Christ to dwell in you. And the word there is richly in large quantity. Now, before I left the motorhome tonight, I grabbed something out of my wife's kitchen. It's a sponge. Okay, we're going to go Sunday school here. We're going to go very basic in this thought. And I'm going to let this sponge represent you and me. But here's the thing I want you to understand about a sponge. There's three principles of the sponge. They're always true. Number one, if you want to really know what's in a sponge, all you have to do is what? Squeeze it. Right? I mean, it may look really good, 
But when you squeeze it, you're going to find out what's really in there. You with me? And so let me just put that where we live. If I want to find out what's really in you, all I have to do is squeeze you. Amen? Yeah. I mean, if you want to really find out, are you spiritual or carnal? Are you filled with fruit of the spirit or works of the flesh? All you got to do is get squeezed. Amen. And let me say, there are a lot of sponge squeezers out in life. Okay. People in traffic can be sponge squeezers. All right. Oh, this is one. Women drivers can be sponge squeezers. Oh, preachers that talk about women drivers can be sponge squeezers. You know, I remember when I was on the road in the motor on when I was when I was on the road in the motorhome with our six children. So, ladies, don't complain about the size of your house because, you know, six children, a dog, my wife and I, 300 square. That was when the slides were out. And and we would be driving down the road and just keep in mind, if the motorhomes are all passing you, you're probably going too slowly. I just want you to understand the basics of driving on interstate. And there'll be times where I'll start getting bound up. My, my kids will say, what's the matter, Dad? I said, ah, it's a woman driver. She's clogging the whole thing up. Now, keep, keep in mind, four of my children are girls. So when we'd pass the quote-unquote woman driver, you know what they were doing, man. They were plastered against that side window looking to see the gender of that driver. You know what I'm saying? And, brother, I'm telling you the truth. There were many times they'd turn and they go, oh, it's a guy. It's a guy. It's a guy. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know. And dad can't lose that one. So I say, yeah, it's a guy driving like a girl. You know, that's what I'd say. Man, there's sponge squeezers out there on the roads all the time. Amen. You say, well, I'm a spiritual person. Get out on the road. Mm. Amen. We ain't spiritual as we think we are. Amen. There's sponge squeezers at work. Bosses can be sponge squeezers. Amen. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Teenagers can be sponge squeezers. One more year, you'll be there, all right? You with me? Spouses can be sponge squeezers. Christians can be sponge. You know, preachers can be. Yeah, I'm just, you all with me? The first principle of the sponge you need to recognize is if you want to find out what's really in you, all you got to do is get squeezed. Amen? That's the first principle. Principle number two is this. This is really profound, but a sponge only picks up what it's placed in. Did you know that? I, <laughs> I mean, if, 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 if uh, we got water over here in the baptistry, and then we've got you know, something else sitting up here, right? I can't put it up here and expect to pick up over there. Right? It only picks up what it's placed in. But here's the third one, and this is important. Every sponge has what I call a saturation point. And once you've reached that point and it's full, it doesn't matter what you put it in. It's not going to pick anything else up. Amen. So here we go. Here comes the lesson. Remember, we're talking about abiding in our Savior. You have to first abide in his word, but then you up it to a quantity level to allow his word to begin abiding in you. Here's what happens. We get saved. We're the sponge. And before we were saved, the sponge was heading to destruction, was it not? We were heading to be destroyed not, not hell. That's not the final abode. It's the lake of fire. Hell is a temporary place, according to Scripture. The lake of fire is the final abode. But it's eternal destruction. But then along the way, we hear the cry, Jesus saves. And we trust Him as our Savior. 
as our only hope for heaven. And guess what? Our destination changes. Now we're heading to a place called heaven. And it's sure. It's not probation. It's salvation. We're already seen seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according to Colossians. But along the way, did you notice you're not there yet? Yeah. Amen. You know, you're not there yet. And so along the way, Brother George, you, you like me, you got places you can park your sponge. You know what I'm saying? You got things you can soak in. Bill, you, you know what I'm saying? Y'all with me, Carol? I mean, sis, I mean, we can park in things. And I watch us as American Christians do this all the time. And we take this principle and we mess up our walk with the Lord. I watch our young people. Here's what they do. Man, they put their sponge in entertainment. Video games, video games, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 hours a week. Movies, uh, Facebook, uh, uh, entertainment, smartphone, da, 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 40, 50 hours a week. Woo, soak, soak, soak. They come to the house of God. They go ahead and they hear a message from the word of God. And this is what they say. What? 35 minutes. I didn't get anything out of that. Well, how could you? You came in here dripping full of everything else. How can a 35, 40 minute message even get in you? You're already saturated. Amen. Then we guys, we do the same thing, man. We got our places to go and don't get me wrong. But, I, you know, I am sitting in Green Bay Packer turf. I mean, I see G's everywhere. You know, I said, you guys must have a really good soccer team around here. I don't know. You know, <laughs> brother Shane. <laughs> Amen. But I watch it, man. Football season comes, and don't get me wrong, I love. There's one sport I watch. That's the sport I watch. I love football. But we'll do it, man. Thursday has a first game, and then Friday's got another one, and Saturday's got four, and Sunday's got, you know what I'm saying? Five, five hours, even if you TiVo the thing, you're four and a half hours, you know? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, drip, drip, full, full, tackle, tackle, pass, pass, do, 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 do. And then you come to the house of God, you get in the Word of God, you go, I didn't get anything out of that. Man, you're driving home, I didn't get, how could you? Amen. You say, well, football ain't my problem. Okay, talk, talk radio then. <sighs> Where you park, guys, there's lots of options. Amen? And then you ladies. <laughs> you found out your man wasn't perfect. <laughs> Some of you figured it out the first day. Some of you took a few years, but you figured out Prince Charming was neither a prince nor charming. And so to escape your miserable reality, you said, I do too, for the rest of your life, you have your romance books. Oh, yes. You can disappear in a never, never land. But it's, oh, you say, but it's Christian romance. Oh, now that just makes it okay. And chapter after chapter, story after romantic story, you disappear into that thing. And just hours every day. And then you come to the house of God, hear the word of God, and you say, well, that didn't help me. I didn't get anything out. How could you? Where's your sponge been? What is it that you're soaking in throughout the course of the week? You know, it works the other way, too. You can get into the Word of God richly. You can read it, sing it. 
speak about it. Oh, hey, how about memorize it? There's, there's how it really gets in you. I remember one of the first courses I ever went through was Treasure Path to Soul Winning Memory. Did you do this, Brother Scott? Anybody? This thing is amazing. Topical, five verses a week. And the verses deal with like brevity of life. And there's five words, verses about how life is brief. Value of a soul, five verses. You know what I'm saying? It's multi-week deal. Treasure Path to Soul. I just ordered these up. This was one of my first memory scripture things that, that, that I had to do. And I had to memorize five verses a week as a new believer. And every Sunday there was there was a young uh, a young teenage girl that had to go ahead and check my verses off, and I had to quote it to her verbatim, or she would not sign it off. And and uh, that young person, that young teenage girl, became my wife. Deb was the one. She'd been saved for many years before I got saved. And look at this. Text to arouse an interest in spiritual matters. Life is brief. Life is uncertain. Death is sure. Christ may appear to any moment. No escape for, for procrastinators. Whereas you know not what you'll be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor. Appear for a little time and vanisheth away. James 4.14. There are verses tucked in my soul to this day. Because of this little Bible memory booklet. I ordered them up. You say, why'd you order them up? Because I'm going to start it again. And here's the thing. You can read it. You can sing it. You can memorize it. Man, you go through the course of a week and you got these things in your pocket and you got to memorize them. Man, your sponge is picking it up. Your sponge is picking it up. You with me? I'm to, you got to you say, I don't have time to listen to that joke, man. I'm, I'm trying to get this. You say, is it a good witnessing tool? Sure. I used to hand it to my secretary and say, hey, see if my verse, see if I'm quoting these verses right. You know what I mean? And I'd let her check my, a lost secretary when I had my business in Alaska, I let her check my verses off. She didn't even know it, man. I'm giving her the gospel. She said, no, you said that one wrong. I said, read it to me. How's it Go. Oh, okay. All right. I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man. I, it just I, and this stuff gets in you. Your sponge gets soaked up. And guess what happens? Then what happens is where's the sponge? Where's where, where, where my sponge? Go. Where's my sponge? It's my Bible. Oh, here it is. You, it, you get filled with the word of God. And then what happens? You go out into the world and it just won't stick to you like it would have. If you hadn't filled yourself with the word of God. It works that way also. Amen. The first step toward abiding in him, you have to abide in his word. But second of all, you have to allow his word then to abide in you richly. And then there's a third step, though. You're not there. You and I, this is this is these first two steps are very necessary. But this third one has to be there as well. Go back to our text as we're winding the thoughts up. Notice with me in first John. In chapter 2, there's a third step that has to take place, and it's this. You must yield to the Holy Spirit who's inside you. You must yield to the Holy Spirit who's inside you. You must listen to His voice and move at His command. I'm going to say that again. You must listen to His voice, and you must move at His command. Notice what's said in 1 John chapter 2, and look at verse 20. 1 John 2.20, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, he says. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, but, he's talking to Christians now, he's talking to new believers, but ye have an unction from the Holy One. 1 John 2.20, that word unction means anointing. And then look at verse 27, he repeats it. But the anointing which ye have received of him, notice this, abideth in you. What's the third step that has to take place to abide in your Savior? 
You must yield to the Holy Spirit who's in you. And listen, if you're saved, He's there. He's inside you. He dwells within you. You must listen to His voice and move at His command. You know, I've had people say to me, Brother Dave, I've never really heard Him speak to me. I know I'm saved, but I just haven't heard Him. People say, why is that? I'll tell you why. Because of how He speaks. You complete this thought for me. You know this. You'll know the answer here. You'll know, you'll know this first when I begin to say it. The Holy Spirit of God speaks in a still, small voice. Unlike my delivery tonight, He doesn't shout. You with me? He speaks softly, and you hear Him When you separate yourself to silence. That's why the psalmist said, be still. Quit rushing, but just be still and know that I am God. Amen. Why does the lost world always have to have a party they're running to? A stadium they got to be rushing toward? They're either... Coming from a party, in a party, or planning another one they're heading to. Why? Why is that? I'm going to tell you why. They don't want to get quiet, silent, and have the Spirit of God point out their need for a Savior and their filthy sin need to be forgiven. So they fill themselves with activity. They fill themselves with noise and with music. They've got to always have the TV on 24-7. They've got to have something blaring. They can't just sit in silence because they, they come under conviction, just the knowledge of who they are, and that, that there's a creator they're going to meet. They've got to keep it busy and loud to silence God speaking to them. Do you know what I found out? Christians do the same thing. We get saved, praise the Lord, but you know what? What we do is we go ahead and start getting busy. Just get busy, man. Rather than be obedient, be quiet and have God tell us, hey, here's something I want in your life. I want to go to work in that area right there. I want your thought life. Oh, no, 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 no. So we get busy doing things and running hither and yawn and going ahead and making a big smoke. So we, we don't get quiet and let him, with our Bible open, search us, try us, know us, and show us. Amen? We've adopted the same philosophy the world has for shutting God out and drowning out that still, small voice with louder voices. Isn't that not true? I have done it in ministry. I've had the Spirit of God put His finger on something in my life. Could be an attitude. Could be the way I treat my wife. Could be, People don't know, but He put His finger on it. And I was like, you know, no, 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 no. I don't. It hurts too much to be dealt with like that. And so I get busy doing other things, and I offer that as my sacrifice rather than obedience. And I silence his voice with activity. Wow. Yeah. You want to abide in this Savior you belong to? You're going to have to first abide in his word. This will have to be more than your necessary food. Then you're going to have to allow His Word to abide in you richly. 
You're going to have to read it in abundance. You're going to have to begin memorizing it. You're going to have to be singing about it. And then thirdly, you're going to have to shut things off periodically. Separate yourself to silence. And listen to the Holy Spirit of God speak to you and tell you where to go, how to live, and what to do. Amen? And mark this well, Christian. Between now and when you get to your home in heaven, there is no more intimidating moment in your entire Christian life that will ever hit you than that moment you stand before your Savior and give an account for how you served Him. There's nothing bigger. Death isn't bigger than that. You with me? There is nothing that can come in your Christian life between now and your home in heaven that's going to be more intimidating, more daunting, that's going to be a bigger moment in your Christian life than that moment you stand before your Savior and you give an account for how you served Him after He saved you. And listen, if the answer for that huge, huge moment in your Christian life are those three little words, abide in Him, that those three little words are your answer right now to whatever you're going through. Amen? Because it won't be bigger than that moment. Let me make a list. You say, preacher, I struggle with sin. Man, I got this sin. No one even knows about it. I struggle with it. I get some temporary victory. I just never really get victory. Preacher, how do I get really consistent victory over that sin? Three little words. Say them with me. Abide in Him. Say, preacher, I got somebody did me wrong. Man, I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with bitterness. How do I get victory over my bitterness and be able to forgive this person for what they're doing and done? Three little words. Say them with me. Abide in Him. Preacher, I don't care about souls anymore. I used to. Man, I used to really care if people heard the gospel. I don't even really care now. I can go through a whole day and never even think about who I could have said and, and given a track. Preacher, how do we get a burden again for souls? Three little words. Say them with me. Abide in Him. Say, Preacher. Man, I used to be sacrificial and giving. I'm not anymore. I just tip him with a little. How do I get back to really having the joy of giving again? Three little words. Say them with me. Abide in him. I got an anger problem. Man, it just, oh, it shames me. How do I get victory over my temper? Three little words. Say them with me. Abide in him. Listen, if those three words, Christian, are the answer to that moment you stand before him, and they're the answer for how you can have confidence in that intimidating moment, then those three little words are the answer to whatever struggle you're going through right now. Because it will pale in comparison to that. And mark this very well. Best way I can say this. In military terms. Christian, this is the hill. We must die on. We cannot give this one up. We cannot let the enemy get this hill. Dad, you cannot. You cannot give this hill up. You will rue the day you ever allowed this to be removed from your walk with your Savior. Because all other hills are tied to this one. All the strategy for all that we are is tied to this one. It's a relationship hill. It's that abiding in our Savior. Moms, you cannot get so busy. You, you allow this one to diminish. You will rue the day you gave this one up. It's so hard to get back when it's given away. Young people. Life isn't even busy now. 
Life is very easy. Wait till you get a ship of your own. It will get very complex. Now's when you want to learn how to abide in Him. This one you want to nail down. We cannot give this hill up. Amen. This one we must defend and die on. For everything springs from this one. Everything. And now little children. Abide in him. That when he shall appear. We may have confidence. And not be ashamed before him. At his coming. Three little words. Huge. Huge ramifications. Abide in him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.